Well, we are very fortunate to have the worship team that we have. Aren't they good at shepherding us? See, there's, there's a way that, that uh, this team does worship that I've not seen very much in my uh, illustrious, thrice-fired ministry career. They, have a, they do a great job of shepherding us in music. So, by the way, um, I want to acknowledge someone who hasn't been able to be in here yet during our worship service. Jen Gillespie's in the back with her husband. Uh, Sienna's one of our shepherds. Sienna's upstairs running the show today in the children's ministry. So Jen Gillespie, who has worked hard for months putting together this incredible ministry in an office building, unbelievable job, Jen. I'm glad you got to be in worship with your husband today, so I'm glad you're here. So, She's awesome. She's awesome. Um, all right. Uh, my name is Joe Davis. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Life, and here's the message for today. Your pastor is really, really, really bad at religion. I am really bad at religion. I mean, terrible. And so we're going to be talking about Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 11 today. I'm going to read the passage, and we're going to break down the history, the theology, and the devotional applications of this scripture. Philippians chapter 3, 4 through 11. Paul talking, right? This is after, by the way, he had just ripped on the dogs who were preaching false gospels. Remember that from last week, beware of dogs. So right into that, that's the context, and here he goes. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, in other words, religion, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have a lot more. In other words, he says, you think you're good at religion? Wait till you look at my religious resume. Circumcised the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zealousness, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness, under religious law, I was blameless. Then he says in verse 7, But whatever gain I had, count, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all the things that I had done. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all my religion, all my accomplishments, and I count them as garbage. The actual word is dung. Not kidding, it is. I count them as sewage. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness that is built upon my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of, from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul just gave a pretty sparkling resume about his religion. So let's look at the history. Paul, unlike your pastor was very, very, very good at religion. Let's look at who Paul was before Jesus. This is before he knew God. He had impressive associations. He says, look, I was circumcised the eighth day of my life as a, as a Jewish person. I was in the uh, part of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew among Hebrews. In other words, he says, if it came to like a social pecking order of Jewish people, I'm at the top 5%. Like I'm really up there. I am the man. 
he had impressive spiritual religious associations. You know what else he had? He had arrogance in his righteousness. In verse 5, he says that. Circumcised the eighth day. And then in verse 6, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He has the nerve to say, under the law, as far as religious law, I was perfect. I did everything. I had the perfect temple attendance pin. Some of you are old enough to get that. That's good. Pastor Joe, what do you mean attendance pin? Why don't we have those? There's a lot of reasons. All right, so... um, (laughs) misdirected zealousness. He says, as to zealousness, I persecuted the church. So in other words, his religion had taught him one of the things he should do is be really bad to other Christians who weren't following the law of Moses. As a matter of fact, not only should we be bad, you should try, if they don't comply, to destroy them, even kill them. Then he had a misguided view of his credibility. You see, what happened with Paul before Jesus is that religion had given him a false sense of hope, a false sense of importance, a false sense of accomplishment. This was Paul. And these things about Paul made him arrogant. It made him divisive. It made him unforgiving. It made him judgmental. It made him produce criticism that was born of the evil one. In other words, Paul was saying, as you know, those dogs I was talking about in chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, I was a dog and not a cute one. See, he actually believed he was standing for truth. He was actually standing for divisiveness, destructive, dangerous teaching. Now, let's talk about Paul after Jesus. Paul says all the stuff he had, the the associations, the righteousness, the zealousness, the credibility, all that stuff he says was rubbish, garbage, a waste of his time and money and effort compared to what he was given when Jesus found him. Not when he found Jesus, by the way, because he wasn't even looking. You hear this language about people who are seekers? He wasn't a seeker. Jesus was the seeker and found him. And through Christ, he was given things that he says he made his religion feel like garbage. First of all, what happened in verse 7? He had a focus on the elevated Christ. And he says it in verse 7. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. So his focus was no longer on religion, but his focus was on Christ. Not only that, his eyes were on Jesus and not religious success. It says, everything I thought I had great, I counted as gain, now was loss, except for the things that gave me the excellency of knowing Jesus. Then he had a new goal. The goal was to please the Savior through righteousness, through faith. Not religious accomplishment. That's the history. That's what Paul outlines. What did man do? That's what happened. He was a religious expert. Jesus saved him. Then he said, my religion is worthless. And knowing Jesus and the fellowship of his sufferings is everything that I want. 
Now let's talk about the theology. What did God do? I'm going to explain to you a theology about righteousness today. There is a really dangerous and really kind of warped, twisted perception that many Christians have about what righteousness is. Like it's some sort of performance, some sort of earning. I'm going to live a righteous life. I got news for you. You will not. Because righteousness is assigned to you, not earned. Did you get that? Righteousness is assigned to you. Even in the midst of unrighteousness, your righteousness is not earned. Let me explain. Instead of Jesus laying out a gauntlet of religious burdens that you had to comply with to be in contact and connection with him and his dad, instead of him laying out a list of do's and don'ts, what he did instead was he took the religious burdens that we could never live up to. He took our deficiency in these religious burdens and unrighteousness, and he said, I will consider myself a religious failure instead of you. He takes this religious failure and runs the race and pays the price for us instead. He takes our imperfection, takes it to the cross, and then takes his righteousness and takes it and puts it on us. We trade places with the person who is righteous. The person who is righteous says, I will become your religious failure so that you can become my spiritual perfection. Let me trade with you. You ever seen that movie Trading Places? It's kind of like that, except better. (laughs) So instead of running the gauntlet of religious failure, he runs it for us. He takes our unrighteousness He gives us his righteousness. It's a gift. This is what Paul was saying when he said, and I'm going to read this, and be found in him not having a righteousness that is of my own that comes from the law, religion, but that which comes through faith, which is in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. You hear what he says there? And the reason this was great is because this way I would not be found having the righteousness of my own, but I would be found having the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God, through faith. Christ does the religious work that we are incapable of doing. And you know what this exchange does for us? It's an amazing, this, this exchange of righteousness for unrighteousness. You know what it does? First of all, it bathes us in humility. Wait a minute, what? I don't deserve to be righteous and you're going to make me righteous? Wow. Now, by the way, because we still are unrighteous, sometimes Christians try to brag about them being righteous, even though it has nothing to do with us. But real, when the switch really takes place, there is this ability for us to be bathed in humility. But you know what else it does? This is, I love this. Not only does it bathe us in humility, but let me tell you what else happens. It allows us to bask in confidence. Think about this. Humility and confidence in the same breath. Isn't that amazing? When Christ takes our unrighteousness and gives us his own and he takes ours and he dies for it, 
Now we have his righteousness and we're sitting here within the righteousness of Jesus and we have this amazing confidence. Wow, I have been made righteous. You know what else happens when we have this switch, when we are made righteous through faith? We are comfortable, get this, this is so important. We are comfortable that assuming others are better than ourselves. Because see, think about it. If it's all about your accomplishments spiritually, then you've got to make sure you're better than other people, right? I got to outperform Jerry. I got to outperform Chaz. You know, I got to outperform Mark. That'll be easier, but I've got to outperform some of these. (laughs) You know, I'm just saying. But see, when God gives you his righteousness, now it's okay for you to say, you know what? Mark is better than me. Chaz is better than me. Jerry's better than me. Megan is better than me. Daryl's better than me. And it's okay because I'm basking in the confidence of the righteousness that was given to me for free. And you know what else it does when you have this exchange? Not only does it help you be bathed in humility and bask in confidence and comfortable with assuming others are better than yourself, but it allows you the ability, a supernatural ability, to offer genuine, sincere, true words of exhortation to righteousness to others and not words of criticism to try to get them to conform to some sort of idea that you think they should be. See, let me explain something. Religion, here's the problem. Here's why religion is terrible. Religion desires conformity, right? You better conform to this set of rules. But you know what grace desires? Transformity. I know it's not a real word, but it rhymes, so I made it up. Transformity. Religion desires conformity. Grace desires transformity. Conformity, here's the problem with religious conformity. It can happen temporarily, but transformation lasts forever, eternity. You tell me, which one would you rather have, conformity or transformation? See, religion wants conformity. Love wants transformation. And the key to transformation is that basking in humility that you get when you recognize, wow, I am so far short of righteous, yet I have been declared so by grace through faith. The key to transformation is not accomplishment, church. It's faith, which is a gift. You know what else this exchange does when we become righteous through Jesus? we have the ability to become amazingly effective kingdom agents to help others transform. Because we are not trying to get them to conform to a list of rules and standards and do's and don'ts. We are saying, let me tell you about how I became righteous. It had nothing to do with me. It was all about the work of Christ. And now we have the ability to be armed with a real gospel. That's what the theological part of this passage. Did you see how God did that to Paul? Because think about what Paul was. Paul was this guy who was killing the church. God saves him, and now he's planting churches. And he's in prison, about to die. And all he can think about is, I love the Philippians. And he has the, he's basking in humility, but he's got this incredible confidence. He says, beware of dogs. Beware of evildoers. They seek to mutilate the flesh. They want to destroy the gospel. And let me tell you why you don't have to listen to them. If anyone had a reason to be religiously confident, it was me, but none of that mattered. It was all sewage when I found Jesus. 
All right, you ready for the devotional? Humble confidence. That's the concept I want you to leave with today. All right, so let me give you a story about me and basketball. <laughs> Some of you have heard this story before, but it's, it's a good one. So I've been playing basketball for years. Uh, I'm, I'll be, I'm 49. I'll be 49 soon. And so I've been playing basketball since I was 12. So what is that, 30-something, whatever, okay? <clears throat> 37. You may not know this about me, but sometimes I'm a good jump shooter. I can hit some shots. <laughs> These are people that I beat every week. That's what they're... All right. And I'll hit a few jumpers in a row. And there's something that takes over in my head that I just can't resist, which is this. I am shooting so good today. The next time I get the ball and somebody's going to come running at me, I'm going to blow a kiss to the guy defending me. And take the shot. And Listen, if it goes in, it's awesome. Here's the problem. Over the course of my basketball career, when I shoot, while shooting, you know, blowing a kiss, my percentage is about 8%. It's true over the course of my lifetime, right? Here's the thing. We are always tempted as we walk with Jesus to sometimes blow a kiss because the spiritual ladder of success is so shiny and so bright and it goes up and we're thinking, man, let me get on the ladder a little bit. I'm liking where I am right now. I'm going to church more often. Yeah, I know it's in a comedy club, but I'm still showing up. That's okay. It counts. I'm volunteering. I'm helping. I'm coming to Deep End. I nominated a family for Thanksgiving, and I got the Christmas thing going on. Right? And we are tempted to blow a kiss spiritually. I'm starting to get pretty good at this. We can't do it. So let me tell you a little bit about why I love grace. I started with the title, Your Pastor is Very, Very, Very Bad at Religion. I want to give you some examples of some religions I would be horrible at. This is not to denigrate other people if they're good at these religions. I'm just about me personally. I'd be terrible at these religions, okay? So let me just go through some of them. Buddhism. One of the things about Buddhism is to cease all desires. Well, you know what kills that for me? Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Boom. I'll never... Pizza, right? Pizza, put that up, a pizza. Pop-Tarts and pizza are the reason that I would never be able to be a Buddhist because I will desire those things for all eternity. Junior mints are good too. That's very good. Let me tell you another one I'm not good at, Confucianism. Pursue education, reflection, and live a moral life. Let's start with the education. I can't even read a book all the way through. I can't. I can't read a book all the way through. How in the world am I going to pursue education as a Confucianist if I can't even read a book without stopping? Hinduism. Detach yourself from your separated ego and live in unity with the divine. Oh, okay. That sounds easy enough. I <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's true. Judaism. Follow God's law. I mean, that's what Paul was particulating. I got up at 645 today, and at 647, I had failed as a Judaist. 
a, Jude, a Jewish Judaist. Very good. I can't even say the word. See how bad I am at the religion? I can't even. Talk about New Age. The New Age religion, right? See yourself as connected to the whole of divine oneness. Live in concert with creation. In concert with creation. Guys, I'm constantly fighting creation. I hate mosquitoes, for example. I'm trying to kill creation constantly in Florida. <laughs> Live in one with creation. Have you seen some of the bugs that fly around here? What about humidity? I can't stand that part of creation. About, you know, there's a, there's a bush that my, my <laughs> twister, can you imagine? It's like fighting cre- creation will kill you. There's a bush, there's a bush in our, in our yard that my wife loves. It covers up an old pump that's, and it's got 10 foot long thorns. Okay, they're like two inches, but still, they're very, you know, and about once every five months, Joe, you have to go out there and clip that bush. Honey, do you know how hard it is to clip that bush? She goes, yes, that's why you're doing it. (laughs) I get hit by creation all the time when I'm cutting that bush. One with creation, I'm fighting creation constantly. All right, so that's new age. Let me tell you why I'm bad at Taoism. Align yourself with the Tao and literally go with the flow. I don't even know what a Tao is. So how am I going to align with it? I have no idea. Islam. Live a moral life. Do good deeds. Then you will stand before Allah. And in the end, if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds and Allah so wills it, then you'll be declared righteous. I have no prayer as a Muslim. No chance. And then Christianity. When I talk about Christianity, I'm talking about not the gospel. I'm talking about church. I could not even be a good Baptist or a Presbyterian. I've been fired three times from those types of churches as a pastor. I'm really bad at religion. So let's talk about what I am good at. We'll talk about humble confidence. That's the only system that would ever work for me. Grace. Because it's not my religious expertise that allows me to love you as a pastor. It's my humble confidence in the fact that God has saved my wretched, dirty, sinful soul and is transforming me by the power of his word and his grace and his spirit and the blood of Christ and the people he has put around me. And here's why I have confidence that I can be your pastor. Because our humble confidence is founded in the great exchange at the cross where my righteousness was taken away and his righteousness was given to me. Our humble confidence, my humble confidence, is born out of brokenness. The stark reality and awareness that I am very, very, very bad at religion. But I am very, very, very good at needing and accepting grace. I am so good at accepting grace and mercy and forgiveness. Our humble confidence is in the power of our faith, which even that is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works or else you'd brag. Our faith is a gift that transforms me by his word and by his spirit. Our humble confidence is a powerful agent for change in others because our confidence to impact others starts with realizing what? That our personal success is just dung, sewage, garbage. 
It's the same reason Paul had confidence, humble confidence, to pastor the Philippians and to start Gentile churches all across the region. Because see, guys, religious people, religious people are only capable of deadly salvos that destroy relationships, destroy unity, and destroy lives. Religious people heap up fake burdens and guilt on others that they themselves aren't even able to carry. That's a quote from Scripture, by the way. Jesus says, you hypocrites, you are whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. You heap up on others religious burdens that you yourselves can't even carry. But humble confidence gives us this amazing credibility because our confidence is based upon brokenness and humility and grace and forgiveness and mercy. Isn't that awesome? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18-21. Look at this passage. Paul writes this. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see that? That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their unrighteousness or their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You see that? God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, this is the exchange, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. When you go out from this church today, you go out not as a religious failure, although you are. You go out with the righteousness of God and you have been entrusted with, because of brokenness and humility, the ministry of reconciliation. And you can have amazing, screaming, humble confidence that you have the ability to impact others, not because you're good at it, but because God uses us anyway. So humble confidence gives us the ability to confront all people with grace. By the way, that's one of our core values. Biblical is we confront all people with grace. Humble confidence gives us the ability to confront all people with grace, even though we are complete (laughs) religious failures. Humble confidence says you are a catastrophe religiously, yet you can confront people with grace and be a tool for transformation and change. Guys, isn't that amazing? Is it just me or is that off the chain? I'm a complete failure. And here I am, a pastor of a church of... I can't believe y'all show up every week. I can't. <laughs> Daryl, it shocks you, doesn't it? It's just crazy. <laughs> Guys, we are so bad at religion. But thank God Jesus is so good at grace. And through humble confidence, we can confront people with grace and mercy, even in the midst of being colossal, personal failures. That's humble confidence. Heavenly Dad, 
we are just overwhelmed when we look at the measuring stick of religion. We're overwhelmed by just how bad we are at it. And then we are so comforted by how good you are at working in spite of that anyway. Taking colossal failures and giving us this ministry of reconciliation. God, help us to leave here today with humble confidence that there is no one that we cannot confront with grace, even in the midst of needing it desperately, even that second, our very selves.